I want to talk today about a healthy heart. You know, in 2001, when I was 49 years old, on a Sunday afternoon, I had a heart attack. And I uh, didn't really know or think that I had any heart issues. I, my family doctor, who was a personal friend of mine at that particular time, looked at me and said, you know, you are a real medical miracle. He said, I think you are the first person that three stents fixed your indigestion. <laughs> he said, you never conceded that you ever had anything besides indigestion. And, uh, you know, when you begin to talk about heart health, something that we need to understand. We need to understand what goes on with our hearts and how quickly our hearts can do things. We've had people, Susan Erskine, as you know, the pastor just passed away, and the day of her funeral, uh, I spent over an hour with her brother, Denny Kirk. Mike is what he goes by, lives in North Carolina. Talked to him last week on the phone. He left here and went over by the hospital, won somebody to the Lord, and this week he dropped dead with a heart attack. Heart health is something that we need to look at. Today I don't want to talk about the physical heart, but I do want to talk about our spiritual heart. And what kind of condition we allow our hearts spiritually to get in. There are indicators of heart issues. There are things that if you know what to do and you're looking for certain things, you can identify certain things. But I've learned that for the Christian... If you want to change and you want to be like Jesus, if you want to follow him, real lasting change has to happen in your heart. It's a heart issue. It's not just making up your mind. It's not just making a decision. It's not just going through a series of things, but it's a heart issue. I want to read from the longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119. There's more verses here than any other chapter in the Bible. But in Psalm 119, the psalmist David said, I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes. You know, the Bible talks about David in Acts, the 13th chapter, as a man who was after God's own heart. David's life, when you look at him from an external viewpoint, or you look at some of his behaviors and some of the things that he did, you may not understand what was really happening in his heart. But David had a heart after God. And he says here, I have inclined my heart 
to perform your statutes forever to the very end. He goes on and he says, I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield, I hope, in your word. I want to back up to verse 112 there, and I want to focus on this for just a moment. I'm going to talk about these three verses this morning, and I'm really talking about a healthy heart. He says, I have inclined. Say inclined. I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever to the very end. Forever. To the very end. In other words, I want this thing to last. It has to happen within. I know a lot of us who at times want to change our behaviors. I have behaviors that I recognize I need to change and I need to deal with, and it's okay, I'm fine, just leave it alone, okay? Um, if you don't change your belief that drives your behavior, you're never going to change your behaviors. We've got to understand what happens in our hearts. Now today, I... You started this, Joe. I want to be open. I want you to hear what I want to say. When I look at this word, I have inclined my heart. Incline means it's not or it's naturally not in that position. You have to choose to incline your heart. You have to choose to put your heart in that position. Incline. Say incline. Some people live in decline. And I know a lot of people who live in recline. We can recline, we can decline, we can incline. And David here is saying, I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes. In other words, incline, I act upon my attitude. I incline my heart. Let me just ask you this morning. Did you know or do you know that you are in charge of your heart? My heart doctor has had several frank conversations with me and he says if you're not interested in your heart, nobody else will be. If you don't choose to do what is healthy and good for your heart, 
It's not going to just come naturally. And today, what I'm saying is, I want to incline my heart. I want to set my heart on God. I want my heart towards Him in this life. I want to incline my heart toward God. I don't know if you realize it or not, but do you realize that your heart can just decline into a default position? In other words, if you're not real careful, you can allow your heart to decline and to default into discouragement. And all of a sudden you realize in your heart you're discouraged. Your heart can default into despair where you get to a place where you just, you just don't seem to have what it takes. Your heart can uh, uh, decline into dysfunction. Where you go through motions and you do certain things, but your heart's not in it. It's because we allow our heart to get in places that it shouldn't ever get into. Your heart this morning, and when you take charge of your heart, it's important that you understand. The writer of the Proverbs made the statement and he said, you should guard your heart. Look at somebody beside you and say, you should guard your heart. The Bible tells us that the issues of life flow from your heart. But here's what I've learned about my heart. It doesn't start with your heart. It starts with your habits. Help me, Lord. Your habits... Create the condition of your heart. Say it again. Your habits create the condition of your heart. Set your heart on things that are above. Set your hearts on heavenly things, not earthly things. Now, look at somebody and say, set your heart. Now, the next verse he says here, I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. I hate the double-minded, not the person. What he's saying is, I hate double-mindedness. Are you ready? Hate is the most powerful tool there is toward change, not love. And there was silence in the house. We'll say it again. Hate. Say, Pastor, now you know good and well that we ain't supposed to hate. We ain't supposed to hate anybody. Just listen to me. Hate is the most powerful tool there is towards change it's the most powerful motive and you are going to have to make some decision whether or not there's some some things that's happening and going on in your life that you're going to hate 
for me. I'm going to get honest with you. I have a love-hate relationship with certain things. Okay? There are things in my life that it's a love-hate relationship. Some of my actions. Some of the things that I do, I love how they feel for a moment or two but I hate the crash. I hate where it takes me. Some things you need to hate. I'm going to start with this one. You need to hate self-pity. need to hate it. Mm-hmm. You need to hate self-pity. The problem with hating self-pity is it feels good like the taste of a bowl of ice cream on your tongue. Y'all know what that's like. Huh? Somebody told me the other day, said, I wish you'd quit preaching on ice cream. It's not that I hate the taste of ice cream. I love the taste of ice cream. I just hate what it does to my waist. Y'all understand? I love chocolate. Man, I went in Rite Aid the other day. And they had all of the extra boxes of those hearts after Valentine's Day in a buggy up front for two bucks a piece. That was the easiest $10 I ever spent. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah. Who'd you get all them hearts for? Me. <laughs> Sheila and Travis was gone. I was just having a ball. <laughs> I love chocolate. But I hate what it does to my belly. Are you with me? Just hang in here a minute. See, we love self-pity. We love how we feel when we are feeling a certain way and we begin to look at and wonder if anybody, that pity feels so good, but we don't understand what the result of that self-pity that we love does to our heart. You know, most of my life, I didn't really, I was not a big sweet eater. I didn't care that much about sweets. It was not something that was there. I was not one of those persons that had, uh, you, you know, a dessert after every meal. I mean, I, I pretty much ate ice cream every night all my life, but, you know, it was not something that was there. When the doctor diagnosed me with prediabetes and told me I had to start watching what I ate, guess what I got this uncontrollable desire for? Sugar. 
I mean, it was like until they said, uh, you probably need to start taking this pill. And it's like that pill. <clears throat> now, I've had a real temptation after the second day that I came home with those chocolates to go back to Rite Aid. Did you calculate all that the second day? Okay. <clears throat> no. I thought one or two pieces, this will last me a couple months. One or two boxes a night don't last long. All right. Everybody with me? Help me, Lord. I hate double-mindedness. I love your law. I hate double-mindedness. He said, I'm inclining my heart to perform your statutes. I'm setting my heart to do the statutes, the will, the purpose, the desires of the Lord. I want to set my heart to do that. I don't want to decline. I don't want to recline from that. I want to set my heart and I don't want to fall away from that. So in order for me to do that, I, I've got to hate double-mindedness. Now listen to me say this. Before I can do what I love to do, I've got to know what it is I hate. Now, I love what ice cream does for me. I hate what it does to me. Let me say it again because I want you to get it. I love what ice cream does for me. I, I take a bite of that. Mm -hmm. I love what it does for me. I mean, can I talk to you now? I have a very complicated relationship with ice cream. Hmm? See, everyone of you aren't pastors. But I can call on ice cream at 1 o'clock in the morning for soothing when I can't talk to any of you. I'm telling you that a bowl of chocolate ice cream, <laughs> I can almost preach Pentecostal when I get done. There. <laughs> a bowl of chocolate ice cream has soothed me in the middle of the night like none of you ever have. I've got this great, complicated relationship. I love it, but I hate it. Hear me. I love what it does for me. I hate what it does to me. I love anger. I love what anger does for me. There are times when my anger can get people to do things I can't get them to do any other way and it does something for me.
But it also does something to me. Those people that my anger can control avoid you when you've used it on them. I ain't talking to any of you, am I? I mean, you, you understand? I mean, sometimes I, get, I, 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 I have to deal with anger. I have a complicated relationship with anger just like I do ice cream. The problem with anger is when you get so angry and you behave that way so long, People don't want to be around you. We living in a climate today in a group of people. There are people who are so angry about what's happening in our world right now. You are not a pleasure to be around. You are so in love with your anger. Anybody who disagrees, anybody who doesn't see things the way you see things, anybody who doesn't say it the way you think it ought to be said, you get angry. And the love of Jesus just oozes out of your pores. I have a love-hate relationship with anger. I hate being angry because I hate being alone. A lot of angry people nobody wants to be around. I hate the outcome. Everybody say outcome. Now, I hate what anger does to my marriage. I hate what anger does in my relationships. I hate what anger does in my inner peace. Do you understand what I'm saying? I hate what it says because it puts me in a state of turmoil. I was sitting talking to somebody the other day, bearing my soul, and they looked at me and they said, Pastor, you're angry. And you know what? I knew they I said, Lord, this is a heart condition. Am I going to allow this to continue in my heart? Or am I going to deal with this? It's complicated. I have discovered that I have a complicated relationship with complaining. I love to complain sometimes. See, I ain't preaching to any of you, so you can't say he's talking about me. I'm talking about me today, okay? And if you wear the same size I do, it's up to you. Do you know how good it feels to tell somebody what you think and give them a piece of your mind? Oh, I mean, I'm telling you, you I, I see people and I know people that, that you, you, you know, you just, they just love it. They love to complain. 
It doesn't matter. What the temperature is, it doesn't matter who's in the White House, it doesn't matter who's, what the stock market, it doesn't matter what's going on. They just love, 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 complain. I got that problem. Yeah. When somebody says, how you doing? And you unload on them. Doesn't that feel good? Huh? I'm sorry you ask. You know, you start telling them every ache. You start telling them every pain. You start telling them every disappointment. You start telling them every struggle. You start telling about everything that's going on. You begin to tell them and you begin to say all of the stuff that's happening. All of the stuff that's going on in your life. The problem with that is, you know, let me just help some of you, okay? If you see me at Kroger or Walmart, and you see me going another direction every time I see you, you may love something you hate, need to hate. (laughs) Moving right along, all right. See, when I see you and you go the other way, what am I thinking? What did I do? What did I say? What happened? Y'all know anybody that has a love-hate relationship with complaining? Sometimes I love to talk bad about people. Do you? Huh? Do you ever like to talk bad about people? And I realize I probably shouldn't be saying all this to you. Y'all may never come back. It does me good with my dysfunction when I talk about your dysfunction. See, if I can bring you down to where I am and get you and your heart headed down here and you get down here where, where, where I think you are a horrible person because I'm struggling with what kind of a person I am, it does me so good to tell somebody else how I am compared to you. So sometimes we like to Talk about people's dumb decisions. Y'all know some people make some dumb decisions? I pastor a church and I hear from time to time some say, why on earth did they do that? And I sometimes want to say, well, we did it because I didn't know what else to do at the time and I did the best thing I knew to do at the time and it was a dumb decision. (laughs) But we all make dumb decisions. Don't we? See, the problem with me talking about you and saying things about you 
is that when I'm saying things about you and I feel good in the moment that I'm bringing you down and I'm dealing with where I am at the moment, what I'm doing is I'm setting myself up not to incline my heart towards God, but I'm setting myself up to decline and to go away from God and get my heart in a direction that is totally different than where God wants me to be. So in my love-hate relationship, I love how certain things make me feel. You come into a conversation. I, I have, I have, I will, you'll never see me get into a conversation on Facebook. Nobody needs to know my two cents. Who said that? You don't need it on Facebook because it's just something you write in a way. And, I, and again, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to attack anybody. I'm trying to get us to understand that if you want to incline your heart towards God and keep your mind on God, that you can't be double-minded. You can't be full of being one way one time and another way the another time. You've got to understand how important it is that there are things that make you feel good at the moment that will cause you to crash and burn in your own personal life. We have people who want to say, well, you, just, you, 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 just, you can't just confess things. No, but out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if your heart is in decline, I want you to understand it's not being inclined towards the Lord. And David cried out, incline my heart. Help me, Lord. See, it's really hard. If I spend all my day talking about you, the next time I see you, it's really hard for me to act like I really like you. If I've been talking about you. See, and I know enough about this. I get around people all the time, and I can tell what kind of conversations they've had because of how they talk to me or how they, they greet me or what they say. Or just all I got to do is get around your kids. I know what you think about me. I know what you think. I know what you say. Why? Because they don't hide it. My dad, I had a boy look at me one day. He goes, my daddy don't like you. <laughs> you know. And I put on my preacher face. Tell your dad, son, I love him. Ha, ha, ha. Help me, Lord. Did you see what so-and-so did? Did you see how they acted? Did you see what they put on Facebook? Can you believe somebody would say that? Did you see what Susie wore desk down there last night? I can't believe what they had on do you know what they should have done I'll tell you what they should have done you know what their kids are like look at their kids we talk about and say things 
that makes us feel good at the moment. But we forget that the same measure you judge will be measured back to you. I love ice cream. I hate the outcome. Everybody say outcome. See, the problem with us making resolutions, the problem with us wanting to make change in our life, the problem that we have in wanting to change certain things, we don't really understand that there are certain things that we should hate. There are things that if you don't hate them, you're never going to change. You're never going to understand. Do you realize I'm talking about having a healthy heart and I'm saying to you this morning that there is a healthy hate. I hate racism. I hate poverty. I hate addiction. If you don't hate some things, you're never going to do anything to change anything and change what's in your heart. I think there are some healthy things to hate if we're going to bring change. Help me. The only thing that's going to motivate you to change some things in your life is when you hate it enough to get out of it. Help me, Lord. I hate bullying. I hate it. Have you ever been bullied? Hmm? I hate being late. I could talk a long time about that right there because some of you don't love being on time. <laughs> Uh-oh, I'm talking about somebody and it made me feel good. <laughs> Help me, Lord. I hate ice cream. I hate it. I hate double-mindedness. I hate indecision. You know, I've about come to the place that I think a wrong decision is not as bad as no decision. If you make a wrong decision, you can admit it and go do what you can to change it. But when you make no decision, it's always a wrong decision. (sighs) 
I hate procrastination. But I also hate the discipline of preparation. (laughs) So I put it off because I ain't disciplined to prepare. I've said everything I've said to kind of get to a place where what I really would like to look at you and I want to say this morning. I've preached about me today. We don't need to get into comparisons because everybody here has some love-hate relationships and some love-hate issues that they need to deal with. But what I'm wondering today is, is it possible that God would allow us a reset button on our heart? Is it possible that God could come down and in a service on a Sunday morning when the time has changed... And we had an excuse for being late. We could push a button and say, you know what, Lord? I want to incline my heart towards you. And I don't like some of the results. I don't like some of the things that are happening. And even though I have some things that I have loved to do. And some of the self-pity. Some of the anger. Some of the issues that I have going on in my life. Is it possible that I could set a button in a service on a Sunday morning and incline my heart toward you. God, is it possible that my heart could be reset in agape and I could begin to love the way you love? That I could begin to walk the way you want me to walk? Lord, is it possible that on a Sunday morning... I could love people the way you want me to love people. Could I retrain my brain? You know, there are times Zig Ziglar made one of the greatest statements when he talked about stinking thinking, Louis. There are times that I like to talk to other people because when I talk to them and they begin to talk to me, I begin to realize, you know, I am just not thinking right. I'm just not thinking this thing through. I'm just not seeing everything that needs to be said. And I'm listening to some of the wrong voices that are being spoken up there. I want to incline my heart to God, not to any particular issue, not to any particular thing. Could the reason that God has allowed us to go so low and to get so far down be that sometimes because till we hate something bad enough, will we really change? I hate being double-minded. But I love your law. Verse 14, watch this. Let's go back and I'll read 12 through 13. He says, I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes. 
forever to the very end. That means I'm going to follow you and I'm going to keep my heart towards you. I want a good heart towards God. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. Then he says in verse 14, you are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. I do know where to hide. Do you? Do you know where to hide? The attacks are going to come, folks. The missiles are going to fly. People are going to say things. The doubts of discouraging thoughts are going to try to set your heart to a, a decline. You're, 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 you're uh, going to face things and hear things and see things and do things and, and walk with things that, that, that are there to try to get you off track, that, that's going to try to take you back. But the question is, when those things happen, do you know where to hide? When discouragement comes flying past your head... Do you know where to go or do you run towards the enemy that is attacking you? So you're discouraged and you're discouraged because you are so engulfed and you are so in love with self-pity that you, you talk about how bad it is and that nobody has it as bad as you. Nobody had the parents I had. Nobody had the upbringing I had. Nobody had to deal with what I had to deal with. Nobody had to face what I had to face. And you know what? I, I, I just want you to know that there's a reason for me to wallow and to swallow this self-pity and walk around. That there's a reason that I get so... I, I, I mean, if you'd been treated the way I was treated, you'd be angry too. They told me not to get off the stage for God. It may happen again, so get over it. All right. Help me, Lord. Now, when I talk about do you know where to go and do you know where to hide, I'm not talking about physical places. Some people go hide away from people. Some people have their Vices that they get into. Some people get into all the, a variety of things, but but uh, you know I'm talking about the, the 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 places where you go. That's not physical places, but the emotional state that you get in. What state do you live in? Say it one more time. I'm having a hard time hearing you. Say it loud. West Virginia. See, I really didn't know it because he left the by God out. Did you notice? Because <laughs> that's where that's the way most of us. All right, listen. West Virginia. I want everybody to hear that that's where we live. Pennsylvania, right? Okay. You're above us. Because I'm not sure that some of you don't live in the state of defeat. I'm not sure that some of us don't live in the state of discouragement. I'm not sure some of us don't live in the state of defeatism. 
the state of anger. The psalmist David said, You are my hiding place, Lord. You are my shield. One more time, look at this, verse 114. He says, You are my hiding place and my shield. Do you know where to go to hide? I promise every one of you, you're going to be attacked. And your hope needs to be in God's word. Listen to me say this. You need to decide where you're going to hide before the day starts. Don't wait till you get in the battle and try to find a place to hide. Have you ever watched kids play hide and seek? Huh? Sometimes the best place to hide is in some of the most obvious places out in the open. Because they're not expecting to see you there. So you've got to decide where am I going to hide when the storm comes. Listen to me, guys. If you're going through a storm, if you're going through a battle, if you're going through an attack, Don't ever run away from the Lord. Don't ever go away from Him. You've got to incline your heart to the Lord. It's amazing to me how many people don't know you, O Lord, are my hiding place. You know, one of the things that I have chosen to do is I sing. Some of the courses we sing, Under the Shadow. I will abide. You understand? I, I, I sing courses. One of the, one of the courses that I, the songs that I sing is, is Through It All, an Andre Crouch song from way back in, I don't know, the 70s. It may have been the 60s. I can't forget. It's been so long. Through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. Through it all, I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, you begin to sing songs because right in the middle of everything, you don't just, you don't just get angry. You don't just get mad. You don't just have self-pity. Look at it. Here I am in this situation. Here I've done it again. Here I, I've done this same, same old stupid thing over and over and over. That's all I ever do. You can hide in plain sight when you trust in the goodness of God. Some people hide behind blame. Blame. What do you mean? It's always somebody else's fault. It's always what somebody else did. You've got to just blame somebody else. You've got to blame somebody. And they hide there. It's always somebody else's fault. Now listen to me, guys. Everybody has hiding places. 
you got to make a decision where you're going to hide. I tell you, if my kids hadn't done this, if the car hadn't have done that, if I'd have married somebody else, if I was born and lived somewhere else besides this place, it's always somebody else. I'll tell you, it was the way I was raised. My parents were too strict. Next week, it's my parents weren't strict enough. Blame, blame, blame. What's your hiding place? Is it a cave? Is it low expectations? See, some of you have come to the place where you don't set much of an expectation for yourself because you've been so discouraged by your expectation that if you keep the expectation low, you don't have to deal with the discouragement when you don't get everything you wanted. I've just been hurt too much. Well, let me help you with something. You got a heart condition. It's a serious heart condition. You got a condition in your heart that if you're not real careful, one day the enemy will come along and you'll find the life of God zapped right out of you because you've allowed what's happening on TV and Washington, D.C. and Charleston, West Virginia and in other homes and other people's lives to be in charge of where you are living for God. So today I want to hit a reset button in my life. And if I have to hit it every week, I want to hit a button where it says, Lord... I incline my heart toward you. And I want to rest in you. I'm tired of the anger. I'm tired of self-pity. I'm tired of blame. I'm tired of all of the offenses that have come and that happen. So I'm going to come out of hiding. I'm going to come out of fear. I'm going to come out of low expectations. I'm going to come out of hypocrisy. I'm going to come out of fake spirituality. You know, some of us have this image get real honest with you for a moment see I, I have to deal with how I really feel sometimes and the image I'm supposed to keep up for God and I never want to hide behind the image I want to be able to come in here and stand before you and I want to say, look, guys, we've all got issues that we need to deal with going on in our hearts. And we need to quit judging everybody else and make sure our heart is inclined towards God and that I'm not one way one moment, one way the other, that I'm not double-minded, but I'm standing up and I'm saying it's not everybody else's fault. I'm not going to blame everybody else. I'm going to run to you, O oh God, and I'm going to come into your presence, and I'm going to say, Lord, I need you to touch me and to change me and to heal me and to do something in my heart. 
the Sunday that I had the heart attack. We'd had a young man in our church who'd committed suicide on Saturday night. They called me from Roanoke and asked me to go tell the mother and daddy. I went. I got up Sunday morning. Service was over. Stopped and picked up a pizza. Went to their house and I was on the phone sitting in their living room talking to the police about when they might release the body so that we could know what we were going to do. And I was sitting there and I broke out into this sweat. My shoulders started hurting. I was not having any chest pain, just severe shoulder pain. I was on the phone for 45 minutes sitting there and I thought that the sweat was because I was sitting in front of a picture window and that the sun shining through was causing me to sweat. I thought that the indigestion was because I'd eat a piece of that greasy pepperoni pizza. And it was just the old indigestion I'm dealing with. I got off the phone and I walked, got up and walked into the kitchen. And Sheila and Vernon looked at me and said, Pastor, what's wrong with you? I said, I don't know. I've got a problem. Sheila said, I knew when we started to the car, and I said, do you want me to drive? And you handed me the keys, and you didn't say anything. I knew you were in trouble. I got to the hospital, and within 15 minutes, they gave me a shot. I'm glad they didn't tell me how much it cost. <laughs> At that time, it was $7,000. It's probably fifty now. Who knows? But they gave me a shot. Within 15 minutes of me being there because they knew it was my heart. Dr. Johnson said, I should have known when you walked in and said you were having severe indigestion that you were not having indigestion problems. God reset my heart. I look at it different. I treat it different. I watch for the signs more than ever before. I'm not perfect and I haven't arrived. But I don't want you to have a heart that is declining or reclining, but one that is inclining towards God.